is Christian Questions. John Paul Sartre once said, Man is condemned to be free because once thrown into the world, he's responsible for everything he does. It is up to you to give life a meaning. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Christian Questions Talk Radio with a Purpose with Jonathan and Rick. This isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Rick, that perspective is based on godly principles, family values, honest dialogue, all in a politically free zone. Jonathan, the best part is this. We talk and you listen, and then you talk and we listen. You can also contact us at our website, ChristianQuestions.net. I'm Rick. And I'm Jonathan. And we're glad you've chosen to spend some time with us on this fine Sunday morning. And Jonathan, what is our topic today? Well, Rick, our question is, what does God want from me? And our theme text is found in Mark Chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. Jonathan, think about it. If you ever want to go somewhere, it's usually a good idea to know where you're going. Absolutely. (laughs) Sounds like a Yogi Berra thing. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And it's also a good idea to know the path to get there. The destination of pleasing God and serving God is no exception. The problem is that there are so many interpretations as to what direction to go and what to take along with you in, in terms of pleasing God, that the average person asking the question, what does God want from me, would be overwhelmed with the variety of answers. So, what does God want from me? Folks, stay with us and find out. We're going to make it simple, Jonathan. All right, I like We're it. We're going to go right back to the scriptures. But before that, we have a news flash. We do. We do. Amazing things are happening here. That's right. In Knoxville, Tennessee, we're able to have two hours, not just the first hour of our program. So we will be on uh, at WNOX 100.3 FM in Knoxville from 7 to 9 uh, starting today. So yes, all you folks down there in the Knoxville area, don't go away at 8 o'clock. Don't have to go to your computer. You can stay with the radio. We're there from 7 to 9, the full two hours. And that station in Knoxville, Jonathan, is an enormous station. It, it covers 14 counties, right? Right. It goes 125 miles in every direction. Wow. So there's a lot of folks that can listen down there. This is exciting. And uh, yeah, we've been working with the WNOX since August of 2009. It's been a great ride, and we're really glad to be able to get back to uh, two hours there. We started with two hours, went to one, and we're back to two. Yes. So, all of that being said, what does God want from me besides being on in two hours in Knoxville? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get started and look at a scriptural perspective on what God wants from us. Let's go to the words of Jesus himself, because he basically tells us. Uh, and, you know, you think, okay, if he tells you it's over, it's really easy, but there's a lot of complication that kind of surrounds not only what Jesus says, but the whole idea of what God wants from us. Mark 12, 28 to 31. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he had answered them well, asked him, What commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, The foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your might, and all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
There is no other commandment greater than these. So Jesus gives a very straightforward answer, and he is also quoting Old Testament scripture. So when he's asked what's the greatest commandment, he, he, he says, okay, here it is. There's four things. He says, love the Lord your God with your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength, and love, love your, your neighbor. Right, yeah. as, as you love yourself. So, mm-hmm. so what does that mean? Okay, great. Those are great words, and it says, okay, love God entirely, and we could be done with the program if we just ended there. But this is important. This is what God wants from us. Right. So what does God want from me? Well, according to the words of Jesus, quoting the Old Testament, God wants you to love him with your heart with your mind, with your soul, and with your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to take each one of those, uh, each in its own turn. God wants your heart. That's what he wants. Now, we're going to continue to go back to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, a commentator, Bible commentator, to just get a sort of a little bit of a definition of what it means. Because in different places of Scripture, heart can actually mean different things. All right. And because you have heart, mind, soul, and strength all together, it's a little bit more of a, a focused definition you know that you know when when you say well you know your heart's not in it this is this is more focused than just something a general statement so so Jameson Fawcett and Brown says what the heart the heart is distinguished both from the mind and the soul the heart then must here mean the sincerity of both the thoughts and the feelings in other words uprightness or true heartedness as opposed to uh, hypocritical or Divided affection. Okay, so he's saying that the heart must here mean the sincerity of both the thoughts and the feelings. So it's a very sincere, clear focus uh, and not a divided affection. So a heart means that that thorough, firm dedication. And I mean, there's a scripture in Proverbs that, that kind this of... This really fits it well. Yeah, it's a simple statement. I love Proverbs because they're simple, straightforward statements. My son, give me thine heart and let thine eyes observe my ways. So God says, give me thine heart. What does God want us to have? I mean, you know, and, and that's the thing. If, if we are supposed to love God with our whole heart, what does he want us to have? We're going to go to uh, be referring to an interview done by Oprah uh, mm-hmm. with Joel Osteen. Okay. Now, I, I want to preface this by saying that, you know, uh, there, there's a lot of different takes on what Christianity is all about. Sure, sure. Uh, Mr. Osteen has a very specific uh, approach to Christianity. Ours is a little different. Okay. Okay, and just no, no doubt about it, ours is a little different. So, as we're going to play these, these sound bites from this interview, it's important for me to just make sure that the, the, the listeners understand, uh, we're, not, we're not picking on, on Mr. Osteen, but we're looking at him as one perspective, and we're going to compare another perspective. Okay. Okay, so, uh, what does God want us to have? Let's listen to this first small segment here. Some of the criticisms that you're preaching prosperity, I was reading some of the critics, and I was thinking, well, why would, you, why would anybody criticize you for preaching prosperity? Because what kind of God wants you to be poor and miserable? That's the way I feel as well. I mean, I don't know who would say, you know, that you're not supposed to, you know, leave your children better than you were before. Plus, prospering, it's not just, you know, material things. It's peace in your mind and health in your body and things like that. And so there's, you know, a belief that you're supposed to suffer more and be poor and to show your humility. I just, I don't see the Bible that way. Okay, they're very like I said, a very specific take on things. And Oprah's question was very, very pointed question. Well, what kind of God wants you to be poor and miserable? And so let me ask you, Jonathan, do you think God wants us to be poor and miserable? 
No. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. That's a good answer. So then, therefore, are we of the same mind that the she's talking about the critics of Mr. Osteen, which I would be one. Mm-hmm. Okay, that that says okay, you know, you're all, you're preaching prosperity, and well, I don't understand why people are critical of that because God doesn't want you to be poor and miserable. So there's this comparison between you're either poor and miserable or you're seeking great prosperity. Okay. okay. <laughs> there's no middle ground. Well, <laughs> well, and I think that's the point. I think that we need to understand when, when we say God wants your heart, we have to define what it is that God wants from us. Right. And now in terms of prosperity, does he want me to be poor and miserable? Or rich. Yeah, or, 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 or rich without a care in the world. I mean, is it, well, here, let's go to, let's go to the next scripture. <laughs> I had too many things going through my mind. Uh, Matthew six nineteen through 24. We're going to break the scripture up into sections. You know, your heart determines what is treasure to you. And that, that's important because who wants your heart? The Lord. God wants your heart. So your heart is going to determine what your treasure is. Let's, so let's, let's start with the scripture. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in or steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Okay, so now we can say that, and if you want to be a real pain in the neck about this whole thing, we can say, (laughs) okay, so it says, do not store up treasures for yourself on earth, where moth or rust uh, destroy, and where thieves can break in and steal. So you can ask somebody, well, do you have a bank account? Yes. And do you have a money in that bank account? Yes. And so, you know, you're violating scripture then, aren't you? Eh, no. <laughs> so, because if, if, if we get real dramatic about it, and if we make it so you're either poor and miserable, no bank account, no mm-hmm, nothing, mm-hmm. or wealthy, like you said, is there no middle ground? Right. So is the scripture, is Jesus telling us that you shouldn't have anything saved up, you shouldn't be taking care of anything, you shouldn't have any money, or is he, is he saying something else? Folks, if you have a thought, we're asking the question, what does God want from me? Give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, that means we're on right now. And we want to hear what you have to say about today's topic. Post your comments on our Facebook page. And our blog, go to ChristianQuestions.net. So, uh, again, we're on from 7 to 9, and in Knoxville, Tennessee, on 100.3, we are now on from 7 to 9, not yes. just 7 to 8. So, folks, you can stay with us for that second hour uh, down in the uh, Knoxville area. We're really, really happy to have you here uh, with us for the full two hours. So, is, is Jesus saying you shouldn't have anything? I think he's he's saying our focus shouldn't be materialistic. Okay, so... And, and gaining things... So the focus is to not accumulate. Yeah. But if, if there is an accumulation, it's not a bad thing. No. I mean, Jesus didn't say that everybody who is rich can't enter the kingdom. Now, some people would say he said that, <laughs> but he point. didn't. He said, how hardly exactly. shall a rich man enter the kingdom? Exactly. Which meant exactly that, that the focus, if your focus is on too much material stuff, then your focus is not going to be on spiritual Thinking, spiritual things. The heart should be focused on the Lord. And remember, our heart directs our reticular activator. It it what? (laughs) (laughs) We talked about that, I think, last week or a few weeks ago. You know, that, that part of your brain that just focuses what you see. 
because it's uh, in your mind. And, and verses 22 and 23 really kind of allude to that from Matthew 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness... How great is that darkness? See, now think about that scripture for a second, because it's talking about the eye is, is the thing that is going to get, bring you great light or great darkness. But what focuses your eye? It's your heart. Mm-hmm. So if God wants our heart, he wants our undivided affection. So if our Not attention. I like that right, affection. Right, like right. That. So if our affection is on things of this earth, then our affection is therefore divided. Yes. That's not what God wants from us, according to the words of Jesus. Right. Now, now let's finish this first. A single focus uh, for our devotion here. Uh, again, the heart is what sets the eye to what it looks for. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and wealth. So our undivided, undivided affection, what the scripture is saying, what Jesus is saying is, look, you can't serve both. Now, the interesting thing is wealth can serve you in serving God. I like that. That's a good attitude. We can't serve wealth. So this idea of, well, you need to be full of things and pursuing pursuing, pursuing uh, wealth uh, is, is I think, it's, it's a little bit off, off base from where Jesus is telling us. Because if our heart is on spiritual things, because that's what God wants, right. and that's where God wants our affections, is on spiritual things, then those other things merely are tools to use in God's service. Rather than an end to a means. So, so, again, God wants your heart. What does that mean? How does it work? It's an important place for us to start. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does God want from me? Do we put our soul, our full being, into our Christian walk? Should we? Come on, isn't that extreme? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does God want from me? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. So in the first segment, we were talking about the the fact that God wants our heart, our undivided affection. So with that as a base, and I think that these things go in a a specific order for a reason. Uh, With that as a base, we have to go to God wants your soul. Okay, now what does that mean? But before we get to that, Jonathan, I just want to remind our listeners, we have a great, great announcement to make uh, for the Knoxville, Tennessee, 100.3 FM, WNOX area. And what is it? Yes, we're on both hours, full two hours. We're so excited. So from 7 to 9 in Knoxville, Tennessee, and that station covers uh, several counties. 125 miles. (laughs) Yeah, in every direction. And we've actually, we've gotten calls from not only Tennessee, but from Kentucky, from Georgia. North Carolina. North uh, North Carolina, West Virginia. Wow. So it's it's a great, great area. Folks, we're glad to have you for the full two hours now. So make sure that at the end of the first hour, you stay with us for that second hour. So Jonathan, God wants your soul. What does that mean? Let's go back to Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown for a brief description. 
description. The soul, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with thy soul. This is designed to command our emotional nature. Thou shalt put feeling or warmth into thine affection. So God wants our undivided affection, but now he wants our undivided affection with that emotion and that warmth and all of that feeling that goes with it. So let's go back to, because Jesus is actually quoting a scripture in Deuteronomy. Okay. When he's giving the answer is, what's the greatest commandment? So let's go back to Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 7. That's what Jesus is actually quoting from. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Now, it's interesting because in those words that are in Deuteronomy, it only says heart, soul, and might. Jesus seems to add uh, he has a heart, soul, um, might, and mind. That's right. So it's interesting. And strength. That, right. So... Right. Which is my right. So you've got you've got an sort of an extra addition uh, in Jesus' interpretation of that, and that's borne out also by in another place. One of the Pharisees answering Jesus also adds the word mind. Mm. So you can say, well, you know, Jesus is is changing the scripture. Well, you know, there must have been another translation. Perhaps the Septuagint uh, might have be given them that extra that extra word, that gotcha. extra thought. But anyway, let, let's let's continue. These words, which I am commanding you today, shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your sons, and you shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. So now, this is the greatest commandment, and that's why Jesus focuses on this. Because it says, not only is this what God says you should do, but this is something that you've got to have constantly in your mind, and constantly on your lips, and constantly in front of you. And, you know, Rick, after seeing God's miracles for all of the Israelites, you know, it's it's real, it's tangible. Wow, look what God is doing for me. We can see it. But we're Christians. We have to live by faith. How do we keep a focus like that? So, so in other words, what, what you're saying is, well, they, they had an advantage. Well... <laughs> Well, because you're right. They had that tangible deliverance from Egypt. Yes. They had the tangible miracles in front of them. That's right. Manna from heaven. Right, right, right. And we don't. No. So how do we do that? And, and I think that as we go further into this, that is going to, to, to uh, expound itself as we go into the qualifications, what God is looking for from us. But God wants our very soul. So I really didn't answer your question No, you yet. didn't. But we'll, we'll get to it. We okay. will, I promise. Well, if you have more to say after the program, you can write us at Christian Questions, P.O. Box. 1837 New London, Connecticut 06320 and you can check out our archives at christianquestions.net on a variety of subjects and also check out CQ Rewind CQ Rewind has two parts the first is summary version and that includes excerpts from our program transcripts and scriptural citations now that's a free download the second is CQ Rewind the full edition that's available by email sign up only and that includes comprehensive excerpts Transcript, fully quoted scriptures, plus bonus material, all presented in a reader-friendly format, full of graphics and illustrations. Also available free of charge. Just sign up. Check them out at ChristianQuestions.net. CQ Rewind. You heard the program. Now see it as well. And it is a great, great opportunity. And you also want to look into it for the bonus material. And uh, there's some specific stuff, uh, again, this week, as always, that we cannot get to in the program. But it's available, CQ Rewind, uh, at ChristianQuestions.net. And it is a free service with no obligation. We do that so you can have it. Our Rewind crew is amazing. They certainly are. So 
avail yourself of that at ChristianQuestions.net. So, Jonathan, in this scripture, this Deuteronomy scripture, you know, one of the things that is important is the emotion. How can you keep these things, you know, it says, you shall teach them diligently to your sons, you talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the wayside, when you lie down, when you rise up, it's always in front of you. If you're not emotionally driven, you're not going to have something always in front of you. So that's what he's, God's looking from us. Your soul, that. that that's part of what your soul is, is, is that is that engagement into the undivided affection of the heart. Okay, the undivided affection of the heart is sort of your direction, but the soul is giving you that emotional drive. So this is like put a mirror in front of yourself and say, how you doing? Yeah, absolutely. And, and so one of the downfalls of this can be sometimes we work on outward things and not the inward things. Good point. This next scripture, Micah 6, 6 to 8, is a great comparison of the outward versus the inward, the outward servitude versus inward devotion. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams, in 10,000 rivers of oil? You see how it's kind of getting bigger and bigger and bigger? Yes. That's outward devotion, outward show. Let me show God, let me show God, let me show God. Shall I light a candle? <laughs> God, I love you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, light a candle. Shall I light a hundred candles? Shall right. I light a thousand candles? Right. I mean, it's getting bigger and bigger. It, increasingly dramatic offerings. Now, check this out, next verse. Shall I present my firstborn? For my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body, for the sin of my soul. I mean, I'll even give my firstborn. It's outward stuff. Outward stuff. And everyone would, would look at that and you say, well, surely everybody would see your devotion by what you're doing. But is that what we should focus on? And that's the point. Because now you go to verse 8 of Micah chapter 6, and this boils it down to the simplicity of what God wants from us in our heart and our soul. He has told you, O oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? And that's the true test of our devotion. It's not all the outward stuff. The inward is so important, it's the most that, important. It's that focus, that inward focus and inward emotion. Uh, these three things, to do justice, to love uh, mercy or kindness, and walk humbly with your God, can't be carried out through those sacrifices. Those sacrifices are just doing stuff right? versus being we are to be devoted, and if we cannot be emotionally engaged in that devotion, then we are really not devoted. We're missing the mark. So if we're just going to church because we know we're supposed to? That's not it. God does not have our soul. Doesn't mm. have the, the, the core of our emotional our being. Right. That undivided affection driven by the emotion. So that's the true test. That's what, what does God want from you? That's what he wants from you. He wants the very core of your being, your undivided affection and the emotion that drives your undivided affection. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. If you have any questions on our subject, ask your questions at Christian questions.net or go to facebook or email us at rick at christianquestions.net and this this jonathan is sometimes you think it's a real simple subject it's uh, okay you know what does god want from you oh yeah everything okay good <laughs> well and that's <laughs> and true sincerity but, with it but it's it's the sincere 
affection and emotion that we're we're starting with and again i think that these are 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 put first because these are when you get your emotions behind something then the rest of you can be much more easily dedicated to it isn't believing enough isn't aren't we talking to extreme here yes (laughs) yes we are we're talking extreme but i think that's what god wants from us let's go to another soundbite this is from terry saville foy and this is about um our gifts, and you know, she is very big on on, on the gifts that we're given and, and and how they work in our lives. And she says some very interesting things here about emotion, the role that emotion plays in recognizing our gifts. You know, there's so many reasons why we don't stir up the gift of God within us. One of the biggest ones, I believe, is fear, just being afraid, being insecure, timidity, whatever it is. In fact, you know, in Timothy, when, when Timothy was instructed to stir up the gift of God within him, he was also instructed, you know, to not have a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power and love and self-discipline and a sound mind. But I want you to think about that. What are the gifts and the talents that God has put on the inside of you, but you haven't developed them? What is it that you know in your heart you're supposed to be doing, but you've been too afraid to just step out and do it? To overcome that fear and just do it. So she's talking about fear being the thing that sometimes keeps us from recognizing the the goodness and the blessing and the gifts in our lives. And I believe uh, fear is a tool of Satan where he does use that to hold us back. Right. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, the scripture, we're not quoting it now, but we'll quote it later on. You know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of a power and love and of a sound mind. That's not what we're given, but that's what we have to deal with. And fear is an emotion. It is. Okay, fear is an emotion. And oftentimes our emotion derails our devotion. You're right. And that's an important thing to, re- to realize. Let's look at an account in Mark chapter 9, verses 20 to 24, uh, that, that gives us an example of emotion derailing one's devotion. Even though you don't want it to, sometimes it just gets in your way. And again, folks, if you have a thought, we're asking the question, what does God want from you? What does God want from me? 866-985-4255, toll-free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And you're listening to Christian Questions with Jonathan and Rick. Okay, Mark nine twenty to 24. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the Spirit tear him, and he fell on the ground, and wallowing, foaming, and he asked his father, How long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, Of a child. Of, and oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So this father is come to Jesus with his son who is uh, demon-possessed. And this has been going on for years and years. And he's very, very desperate. He had just Jesus and the three apostles had just come down from the Mount of Transfiguration. Okay. And so he, this father, had brought his son to the other nine and asked them to, to cast out the demon, and they couldn't do it. Okay. So now he is at wit's end, and he's feeling this, this sense of, of, of despair, and he's telling Jesus, he's telling Jesus of all people, if you can do something. <laughs> and so the father had already asked for help, didn't get it, so he's desperate. That's what he says to Jesus, and here's Jesus' answer. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And he straightway, the father of the child, cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. So 
he's saying, I do believe, but I have this sense of unbelief. So he's he's stuck. He's in between. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know how to handle things. And he's and he's trying to move forward. He's trying to stand firm in faith, but his fear is in the way. That's right. And he's got this fear. He's got this this emotion that is standing in the way. And so he says, I do believe, but but just help my unbelief because I'm I, I'm a paradox. That's, that's what he's saying. I'm a paradox. I've got this big problem here. I've, I've been dedicating my life to the safety of my child, and I can no longer, I don't know what to do. And so Jesus is telling him, just you've got to just focus yourself and believe fully. And what does Jesus do? Jesus casts out the demon. Just, just like that. And again, it's the overcoming of the fear. It's the overcoming of the emotion that was so difficult in that circumstance. So when we look at this, God wants our heart. He wants our undivided affection. But God, according to this, this Deuteronomy scripture and to Jesus uh, quoting it in, in, in the New Testament, God wants our soul. He wants the emotion that drives us as well. So it is a very clear picture that what God wants from us is more than just us to show up. Our soul is our full being. You're very, We're putting it all, 100% right, on the line. You're very core. Yeah. He doesn't want you just showing up. He doesn't want you just nodding in agreement. He doesn't want you going and, 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 and hearing things and saying, yeah, that sounds good, and then you're going back to your life. You're all in or you're not. Right, and he doesn't want us to be focusing on the accumulation of things at the expense of our devotion and affection to him. That so, makes sense. So again, we can have things. I'm, we're not we're not saying you shouldn't have things. We're not saying everybody should be poor and miserable and living in cardboard boxes on the street. What we are saying is that we should be focused on our devotion to God first, and the things should come under the in the within the context of the devotion to God. Our devotion to God should not be in the context of developing and getting things. Makes sense. Okay, and again, Jonathan, I want to remind our, our listeners out in Knoxville, Tennessee, one, uh, 100.3 WNOX, that we are now two hours in your area from 7 to 9. So when 8 o'clock rolls around, don't touch that dial. Stay with us. Stay with us because the conversation will continue. And we are also on uh, in several areas. We, you know, we've, we broadcast out in uh, Indiana. That's right. A couple stations in central Indiana. We in eastern Connecticut and Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. So we're working on it. And, you know, rumor has it that we're going to start working on trying to get into the Chicago area. Ooh. Just saying. Rumor has it. <laughs> anyway, so Jonathan, God wants our hearts and God wants our soul. Those are the kinds of things that are the core values of what's really, really, really important in our lives. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. What does God want from me? Does God want our mind and intellect fully engaged in his word or is believing enough? Do you have to study your Bible? Really? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does God want from me? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And Jonathan, uh, again, one more reminder, uh, 100.3 FM WNOX in Knoxville, Tennessee. We are now on for two hours, not just one. Yes. 7 to 9, so uh, don't 
touch that dial at 8 o'clock because we're going to continue our second hour there. Uh, we started out there in 2009, so we've been working there for quite some time, had a great partnership going. Uh, we started out with two hours, went to one, and now we're back to two. We're really, really we're glad we're back. happy to be there. So, yes. folks, uh, stay with us for the second hour. God wants your heart your undivided affection. God wants your soul, your very core, that emotion that drives that affection. And then the scripture continues, God wants your mind. Your mind. Okay, well, what is it, your mind? Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown, what do they say? The mind. With thy mind, this commandments are, this commands our intellectual nature. Thou shalt put intelligence into thine affection. In opposition to a blind devotion or a mere devotism, so, putting intelligence into our affection, this is a huge, huge addition. Again, this wasn't in the, in the, in the original uh, Deuteronomy uh, scripture uh, that we can see, but Jesus brings it up, and actually in another place, one of the Pharisees brings it up. So, mm-hmm. it's, it's, got some, it's got some credibility behind it, but the idea of putting intelligence into your affection. So, you're not just... to be engaged. So, it, it's, it's much more... You know, a lot of times people talk about, you know, growing up through adolescence and you, you get a crush on somebody. Mm-hmm. There's no intelligence in a crush. <laughs> no. Okay? But sometimes we get a crush on Jesus, a, a crush on spirituality. We get an emotional attraction towards it, okay. but there's nothing behind it. This is saying there's got to be something significant intellectually behind your devotion. And that, that's huge. That's what God wants from us. I want to go back to that Oprah interview with Joel Osteen, uh, talking about uh, his approach to the gospel. And, and like I said earlier, our approach is different. Yes. It is very, very different. He focuses on different things than we do, so we're look, using this as a, as a mode of comparison. But again, folks, we'd love to uh, hear from you what you think in terms of what does God want from you and what does God want from me at 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And stay connected to Rick and I at ChristianQuestions.net, no matter the day or time. Okay, let's go to this uh, Oprah interview with Joel Osteen. You know, Jesus died that we might live an abundant life and to be a blessing to others. I can't be a big blessing to people if I'm poor and broke and depressed and I don't feel good about myself. If you're poor, broke, and depressed, is that because you're not praying enough or you're not... Uh, or you're, Something we said today that was really great about getting with God. And it's what I, I often say, this same of trying to be aligned with what God yeah. wants for you. Do you think that if you're poor and broke and depressed, it's because... You're not praying enough or not in alignment? No, I think it's um, I think it's a mixture of things. I don't think it's just not praying enough because there's some great people that are just, you know, haven't broken through in that area. So what what's <laughs> that one gives me agita. <laughs> well because well, why? well, you know, okay, poor, broke and depressed. Why is it that we assume if someone is, is poor or broke that they have to be depressed? Is it possible to not be depressed but not to have a lot? Absolutely. Of course it is. So let's understand that it is not, I do not believe that the scriptures tell us it is in the destiny of every, each and every dedicated Christian to have stuff. It just isn't. What is in the destiny of each and every Christian is to be content wherewith with what we have mm-hmm. and to love the Lord our God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That's in our destiny. And just because you don't have doesn't mean you can't be. Good point. And I think that there's this assumption that, oh, if you're poor and broke, then you're going to be depressed, and how can you help anybody? Well, look, 
if you don't have a lot, you can still help people uh, by not having a lot because it's who you are that the Lord is looking for, not what you have. Again, folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. And uh, again, we're we're taking the scriptures, we're looking at God wants your mind. He wants intelligence behind our affection. What does that mean? Well, Proverbs 16, 18 and 19. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of an humble spirit with the lowly, than to divide the spoil with the proud. So again, it's saying there's better. it's better at times to just not have a lot. Yeah. And to maintain humility than to divide the spoil with the proud. Exactly. So this is sounding a little different from that last soundbite. It is. It, it and it is a, it, very different. Matthew five three. Another example. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And you know, poor in spirit is poor in self spirit. And so it's it's really focusing on that sense of being humble and not proud. Oftentimes, with stuff comes the pride and the ego that gets built up. Good point. And aren't we supposed to be selfless yes. in doing God's will and not our own? Yes. So it, it's a mindset. And again, we need to be able to reason through this. God wants our mind. He wants our intelligence behind our affection. So, Jonathan, it is not good enough to feel good after you hear a sermon. Just not the emotion. Right. And that's it. It's not good enough to, to listen to Christian questions in the morning and say, wow, I feel great. Well, that's wonderful. It's a great start. But you got to go to CQ Rewind, the full edition, <laughs> on ChristianQuestions.net and read the scriptures. Check out the, the concepts and the ideas so that you can engage with what was said. That's there to feed the mind. That's exactly why it's there. You know, the, 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 the broadcast can be the, much more of the emotional affection part. Yes. But the Seeker Rewind, the full edition, uh, which is a free service, incidentally, with no obligation. And again, freely you have received, freely give. That's the whole point here. The, the whole purpose for that is to feed your mind so that what you feel becomes your reality rather than just a feeling. That's right, and you can prove that this all comes from God's Word. And unless we feed our minds, make no mistake, the emotion is going to fade. Good point. It just does. Emotion is not a stable thing. You're right. You don't, you don't build an empire on emotion. You have to build it on logic and sequential reasoning, and that's where we are here. Let's go to uh, another scripture uh, that, that gives us a sense of the, the overwhelming power of the rest that can come to us through giving God all of these things we're talking about. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So this gives us that sense, that emotional sense of rest, that emotional sense of, of not having to worry about things because Jesus is there to help take care of us. Yes. But, you know, again, and I think we talked about this last week, the idea here is he, Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. Mm-hmm. That implies work. That's right. And unless we emotionally can process that and make intelligent choices along those lines by using our mind, this scripture is going to be just something that's a, a warm and fuzzy thing. Mm-hmm. There's much more to it than warm and fuzzy. Absolutely. There's a way of being. There's a way of living. A but dedication. You, but you have to mentally decide. You have to put intelligence behind it. God wants us to decide to be content. He doesn't want us to decide that we need to be wealthier 
and look, we're not saying that wealth is a bad thing. Right. Okay, wealth inherently is not a bad thing, but wealth in the place of our devotion to Christ, to God through Christ, is a bad thing. Yes. Make no mistake about that. Philippians four eleven to 13. Not that I speak from want, for I have learned to be content in whatever circumstance I am. I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So you think that the Apostle Paul had a really great retirement account? I don't think so. Well, he did in heaven, right? <laughs> he, had de- he had dependency on Jesus. No right. matter his experience, he trusted. And he says, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. I have learned. I don't just accept begrudgingly. I have learned to be content. It was a decision yes. to be content. That means the application of your intelligence to contentment. Again, contentment is not merely an emotion. Contentment is an application of our intelligence to say this is an acceptable way of being and I can be this way because I can do all things through Christ. Now, not only does God want us to decide to be content, he wants us to apply our minds to understanding. And, you know, you're talking about, you know, Bible studying your Bible and yes, all that. Absolutely. Well, let's look at this next scripture, 2 Timothy two fourteen to 16. Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God, not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Okay, so here it starts out that, okay, don't be arguing about words and about things that just are meaningless. Don't don't get yourself caught up in, in trying to make your point versus their point and, and, and all of that kind of thing. He says, because it's, it's, it leads to the ruin of those who hear. It's not just damaging, it leads to their ruin. But here's the point. Be diligent to present yourselves approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness. So now, you look at this scripture and you say, wow, what does that mean? Well, be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Now, this is the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. Right. So this is definitely a personal uh, advice for Timothy himself, but we can certainly apply this to ourselves. He says, present yourself approved to God as a workman. A workman. Who doesn't need to be ashamed because you know what you're talking about. You have to, you know, put the sweat and the time and the effort in to God's word. The sweat equity that goes into the development of the study of God's word. Do we know why we believe what we believe? See, that's the key. It's not a matter of, of being told, hey, here's the doctrine of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you say, oh, it feels good, man. Praise God. That's a great place. That's the emotion. Okay? And that, that can help to bring us to that undivided affection. That's the heart. But this scripture is talking about the mind. Say now, as, as much as you feel toward these things, it's not just feeling. Do you know why? And what this is basically telling us is the word of truth, the, the Bible, and the scriptures can give us the reasons as to why. It says accurately handling. Right. So wow. and that takes work. It does. It takes it takes a lot of work. It just that's just so, just so, the way it is. So how marked up is your Bible? Uh, do you <laughs> do you have notes or highlights in it? Uh, is your Bible falling apart? That's a good sign. So right because for use it's falling apart because you use it so often because you're looking to the Word for the input. Second Timothy four uh, verses one to five. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by His appearing in His kingdom, preach the word by be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort, 
and with great patience so instruct. He, he, here, he's saying you've got to be engaged in the work of the gospel. You can't just be sitting back and, and sort of taking things in, but you have to be engaged. And again, that's a mental decision. That's part of the intelligence behind all of this. If you feel good about it, if you're devoted and you have affection towards it, then you ought to decide to be engaged in it. God wants our minds prepared for great spiritual challenges to come. Let's finish up this verse before we wrap up this hour. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, for they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires, and will turn away their ears from the truth, and will turn aside to myths. Be ye sober in all things, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. So the Apostle Paul is warning Timothy that uh, people are going to want to have their ears tickled to accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance to their own desires. Be careful. Right. Be careful. Don't follow those who are not leading you down the path of the true gospel. How do you know? You don't know because you have a, a, an affection, that undivided affection. You don't know because you have emotion. You know because you apply your intelligence. Yes. These are the things that God wants from us. And folks, look, in the second hour, we're going to begin to develop even further. We haven't talked about strength. No, that's right. We haven't talked about love your neighbor as yourself. Mm -hmm. Those are the other parts of the equation of what God wants from us. So there's a lot that he wants from us. And again, folks, for those of you uh, listening to WNOX 100.3 FM in Knoxville, Tennessee, don't touch that dial because we will be back for the second hour there. Yes. For those of you in other areas that we are not on for the second hour, take heart. Go to ChristianQuestions.net. Click the Listen Live button and stay with the conversation. You can leave your comments on Facebook. This is an important conversation. What does God want from me? The answer is plenty, and we can understand it, and we can apply it. We'll be back after the news and all of that. But till then, what does God want from you? For Jonathan, Rick, and Christian Questions, we'll be back soon. Think about it. is Christian Questions. John Miller once said, There's not a chance we'll reach our full potential until we stop blaming each other and start practicing personal accountability. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to Christian Questions Talk Radio with your breakfast. With Jonathan and Rick, this isn't your typical Christian commentary. We love talking with our audience, and we promise to never talk at you like so many talk shows do today. This is a conversation about biblical topics as we look at them from a different perspective. And Jonathan, what is that topic this morning? Well, Rick, our question is, what does God want from me? And our theme text is found in Mark chapter 12, verses 30 and 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So that is the theme scripture we're looking at, that, that simple question. Well, what does God want from me anyway? What, what am I supposed to do? How do you please God? Can you ever please God? I mean, we're imperfect. We can't really please God anyway. Right. So why even bother to try? I mean, look, I go to church on Sunday, or, or, or maybe I think about the Bible once in a while, and isn't that good enough? And the answer is uh, really no. 
<laughs> it really isn't. Sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> well, if you want, and here, here's, let me qualify that. If you want to be a true follower of Christ, then the answer is no, that's not good enough. If you don't want to be a true follower of Christ, but you have an appreciation for God, yeah, that's great. That's fine. You know, have at it. But if you are looking to be something more than that, no, there's much, much, much more required. And Jesus is telling us that this is the greatest commandment of all, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And so he's telling us this is how you please God. This is what God wants from you. In the first hour, we talked about heart, mind, and soul. That's right. And Rick, it's time for strength. It is time for strength. And uh, we do want to welcome in our WNOX 100.3 FM listeners in Knoxville, Tennessee. For the second hour. For the second hour. For the first time in several years. We used to be two hours. We went down to one. We're back to two. We are really excited about that. Absolutely. And folks, we're glad you're with us. And I tell you, Jonathan, it's been a kind of an odd morning. We haven't had the on-air phone calls, but the phone's ringing off the hook. <laughs> <laughs> our call screener is very busy. Yeah, she is. And, you know, folks are, are excited about the fact that we're on for the second hour other people literally driving down the road just finding the station saying well, what is this never heard this before you know so there's just great great things happening this is a very exciting uh, time god wants our strength now remember our heart is that undivided affection the soul was the very core the emotion that supports it and our our mind is our intellect he wants our intelligence strength jameson fawcett and brown what do they say with thy strength this commands our energies Thou shalt put intensity into thine affection. Do it with thy might. All right, putting intensity, do it with your might, with your strength, with, your, with, with what you've got to offer. Now, to what does God want us to apply our strength? Where does he want our strength applied? Well, let's go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 6 to 8. And before we read that, folks, if you have a thought... What does God want from you? Give us a call at 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. All right, 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 8. For this reason, I remind you to kindle afresh the gift of God, which is in you, through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of power and love and discipline. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but join with me in suffering for the gospel according to the power of God. The Apostle Paul is asking Timothy to do something that is completely unnatural. Come out of your comfort zone. And he's saying, look, he said, don't be ashamed of God. And, you know, okay, that's easy enough to grasp. Sure. But he's saying, but don't be ashamed of me, prisoner. Paul's in prison. This doesn't look good. <laughs> you want me to become a prisoner too? You Paul? want me to step out and join you in the suffering for the gospel? You as a prisoner? And you think that that's going to reflect well on the gospel? And the, Paul, the Apostle Paul saying, yes, it does. Because I am a servant of the gospel. Something I like about this scripture at the beginning, it says, kindle afresh. And we're talking about strength here. And I think of the word zeal, mm -hmm. be zealous for the Lord. And I think that goes along with strength. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think so. And, you know, it reminds me of adrenaline. Okay. You know, sometimes when you're working on something, you're working hard and you get, get tired. Mm -hmm. And then you, 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 you work through your mind and you get, you get something happens or you, you decide something and you get that rush of adrenaline that gets your strength back up again. Yes. That's what this is talking about. This, that's what God wants from you. Your strength. He wants our spiritual adrenaline flowing in his service. 
That's what he wants. Now, let's go to that uh, one last time to that uh, interview between Oprah and Joel Osteen. And uh, he actually says something here that I, I agree with. Now, I don't agree with Mr. Osteen on a lot of things, but uh-huh. I, I agree with part of what he says here. So l- let's listen to this. I think that, you know, there are forces trying to hold us all down. And a lot of people haven't been trained and they haven't been inspired that, hey, you know what? You're in the projects, but you don't have to stay there. God's got a plan for your life, and you believe, and you mm-hmm. pray, and you do everything you can. So I think a lot of it is just, we just accept this. This is where my family's always been. We're always broke. We're always defeated. We're always, but you know what? Somebody can rise out of it. You did. Tyler did. I mean, you look at that. So I, I really agree with the first part. There are forces that are trying to hold us down. That's right. Okay. But now, see, Mr. Osteen applies that to, okay, look, you can change your physical life in a dramatic way, become your better self and so forth and so on, and, and change your family's legacy and all of that. That's a wonderful thing. And I'm not saying that people shouldn't attempt to do that. But when you attempt to do that as a service to God, rather than attempt to do that in the context of your serving God. There's a difference. Yeah, it sounds like serving self right. versus serving see, see, God. And to me, that's the thing we have to watch out for. So, I mean, does God want us to apply our strength to improve our life? That's, a, that's an important question. It is. Again, folks, if you have a thought, 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And the conversation continues online at ChristianQuestions.net. Contact us there with your questions or comments. Also, interact with us on Facebook and our always updated blog. So, does God want us to apply our strength to improve our life? Let's look at 1 Timothy 5.8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So there is a scripture that's very direct about making sure you take care of what you're responsible for. Action necessary. Right, right. Do it. Yeah. There, and Use whatever you can to, to provide for your family. And in a good way. Because that is a reflection upon the gospel. That's an important factor. Yes. Now, but does that scripture say, but uh, if anyone does not get themselves rich... It doesn't say that. So there's a difference. There's a difference between providing. Let's go to one more point here, and then we'll go to the phones. God wants us to apply our strength not to necessarily... And, and I want to be careful how I say this, because I know this will get misinterpreted. Okay? All right. But I'm going to say it anyway. God does not want us to apply our strength to self-improvement. He wants us to apply our strength to self-denial. Ooh. Okay, now I'm going to explain that later. Okay, <laughs> okay. but let, let's read this scripture, uh, Luke 9, 22 to 25. Saying, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised up on the third day. And he was saying to them all, If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So there's a clear road to self-sacrifice. I oh, mean, who, it is. who wants to go there? I mean, Jesus is talking about dying. Picking up the cross means death. Right. So why do I say that the God doesn't want us to dedicate ourselves to self-improvement but to self-denial? I'm not saying self-improvement is not important. I believe in self-improvement. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know do. me. Oh, you do. <laughs> you know me. I'm always trying to be better, but it's in the context of doing it for the specific, clear-cut reason of denying oneself in the service of God. So to, to apply whatever it is that you improve upon and offer it on the altar of sacrifice. There you go. See, so I'm not saying don't, don't, don't work on self-improvement. Do work on self-improvement, don't, but don't work on it so you can, you can burst out of yourself. No. Work on it so you can serve and, and deny yourself. And be more Christ-like. Right. 
Jonathan, let's go to the phones. All right. Well, we have Julius from Connecticut. Good morning, Julius, and welcome to Christian Questions. Gentlemen, good morning. Again, Happy New Year. To you, too. And uh, congratulations on the Knoxville extension. Hey, it's kind of cool, isn't it? That's exciting. Yeah, uh, what uh, does God want from me? Well, it's interesting, you know, it is God that takes the initiative to uh, draw people to him. Uh, James 4.8 uh, is one text uh, uh, where God uh, wants us to draw close to him. And also uh, John chapter 4, I think, uh, verse 22 thereabouts, that's John chapter 4. It says, God seeketh such as worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, the uh, remember my favorite uh, expression is that we have the model, the Lord Jesus. Right. He is the model. The recipe is found in the life of, uh, of uh, his character and life of the Lord Jesus. And uh, one thing, I uh, remember the account in uh, Matthew 4 where the devil tempts him, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the, old, the three temptations of the devil in Matthew chapter 4. And uh, I, I, I like to quote the Lord Jesus as if he were saying uh, to Satan, my soul is not for sale, Buster. <laughs> <laughs> Get away from me. So I, I love uh, also in Luke chapter 2, at age 12, imagine at age 12, he said, uh, Wish ye now that I be about my father's business. God bless. Thank you, Julius. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know, Julius is like a walking Bible study. I know. I love it. <laughs> but great, great thought about, you know, worship in spirit and in truth. You know, it's, it's, it's in spirit. It's in, the, it's in the power and influence of God and in truth. So, you know, when we, when we apply our heart, mind, soul, and strength, I think we do the heart, mind, and soul first mm-hmm. so that we sure. apply our strength to the right things. Truth. Mm-hmm. You've got to find it through the application of your undivided affection, the emotion behind it, and, and that intellectual investment into truth. And then you pour your strength into it. I think that's a, that's a great uh, way to, to look at this. Julius, thanks so much for the call. Uh, we appreciate it. Let's finish up, Jonathan, that scripture, Luke 9, 24, uh, I mean, 9 verses, let's finish up with 24 and 25. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world or, and or loses and forfeits himself? So this is what we're talking about in terms of making sure that we are focusing on the right things, the right end results. Our focus in life... Look, we, we are to, to take care of our families. That's what we're ob- obliged, what we're obligated to do. But we are not obligated as a Christian to go seek our fortune. Now, if you seek your fortune and you find it, God bless you in that. My next question is, how are you using that fortune in the service of self-denial and the service of Christ? See, that's what this is really all about. God doesn't want us to be, to be li- having one foot in two worlds. Right. He wants us to be focused entirely on the spiritual. Now, we live in the physical, and we have to take care of the physical. Mm-hmm. But we need to learn to be content with it and to strive for greater, bigger, stronger things. Uh, and that's why the application of our strength, of our, of our power, of our intensity, of our zeal, as you said, is so important. Jonathan, one scripture here... Um, 
We really don't have to, time to read it, unfortunately. Second Corinthians twelve seven through ten. This is the Apostle Paul talking about um, the thorn in the flesh. That's right. And he says, you know, he prayed about it being removed, and Jesus came to him and said, "My grace is sufficient for you. My strength is is perfected in weakness." Right. And the Apostle's reaction to that is, "Well, I can glory therefore in, in my weakness, in my infirmity, so yeah. I can apply my strength to the fact that I'm weak." Yes. See, and that's a huge application of our strength to the fact that I'm weak physically because when I'm weak physically, it means I'm strong in the spirit. That's it. That's what we're looking for. It's that self-denial, that putting in place the important things of our strength to serve God. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does God want from me? What does loving your neighbor really mean? What if you don't even like your neighbor? (laughs) Uh, That means next door neighbor only, right? Um, That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, What Does God Want From Me? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And our website ChristianQuestions.net. And we're wrapping up those four things. The God wants us to love Him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, and with all of our strength, with all of our undivided affection, with all of our emotion, with all of our intellect, and with every fiber of strength that we have within us. And you had mentioned something during the break, Jonathan, I think that is a good way to wrap this part up. Yeah, I was thinking of uh, everyone that was flocking to Jesus, that yes. wanted miracles, healing, Food, right, right, and this the multitudes were just, you know, just really just focusing on their own needs, their own wants, right, right, right. Um, does the gospel of wealth parallel that? Well, see, and the interesting thing is they didn't become true Christians. No, they didn't. They became followers of Jesus so they can get stuff. Right. And Jesus even said that. Said said that several times. You know, they come for the food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and and he would say things to to make them yes, leave. Yes, he? he would. I, you know, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you cannot have no part of me. And, and people, don't, huh? Yeah, what? they're like, wait, that's that's here. crazy. That's right. I'm out of here now. You know, I got what I wanted. Now I'm out of here. And I and I think there is a parallel. We have to be careful that we're not coming to the gospel to get stuff, but we are coming to the gospel as a way to fulfill our lives and to focus our lives on something bigger than ourselves, so we can be a part of it. We are coming to the gospel to give what we have not to get. Now, what you end up with is blessing. That's for sure. Absolutely. Folks, if you have a thought, it's 866-985-4255. Toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9, and that means we're on right now. And our website, ChristianQuestions.net. So, God wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. We only have a couple of segments to wrap this one up. And by the way, I love our neighbors. Our neighbors, we have great neighbors. It's just because I, I said, what if you don't like your neighbor? It has nothing to do with our neighbors. Okay, a little disclaimer there going on. All right. <laughs> neighbors of Jonathan, be, be informed. Uh, interesting thing about that concept of loving your neighbor. We always look at that as, okay, you know, Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, mm-hmm. it actually comes from a lot earlier in history than that. Let's go to Rabbi Jonathan Ginsberg on this particular point and get his, his perspective. You've got some fascinating things to say here. But there's another answer, too. One of the pivotal and central verses of all of the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, in the middle of the middle book in Leviticus, uh, uh, 
the holiness code, it says, love thy neighbor as thyself. Now what's so fascinating about that is that although that is the first time it occurs anywhere in literature that we know of, you check almost any culture, you find exactly the same sentiment. So, that's the first time it occurs in literature anywhere that we know of at this point. And I, I think that's interesting. That it, is. It starts, and it's actually from Leviticus 19, 15 through 18. And there, is, there are things around that statement that make that statement even more powerful okay. about love thy neighbor as thyself. So let's look at what's around it. Let's look at the context, starting with Leviticus 9, 15. You shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. So it's talking about judging your neighbor. It's saying, okay, fairly, though. fairly, exactly. Just because someone is uh, is poor, uh, you know, you you don't you don't put that into the mix. Just because someone is wealthy, you don't just you try to make a judgment with greater honor because they have more. Right. He's saying righteousness is the way you deal with your neighbor. So be just. That's the first thing. What's next? Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Did you hear what happened to so-and-so? Oh, have I got something to tell you? This is juicy really good. Go- juicy is. gossip, yeah, all right? Don't go around as a talebearer. Be respectful. Be respectful. Be respectful. Be respectful. <laughs> be respectful of their lives, of their privacy, and treat them with honor. Be respectful. So be just and then be respectful. And then it goes on verse 17 and 18. Thou, thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. Okay, so here now it's be compassionate and not vengeful. Mm-hmm. So all of these things are being put in place. We haven't seen you shall love your neighbor as yourself yet, have we? No, we haven't. But what we see is be just toward your neighbor, mm-hmm. be respectful toward your neighbor, be compassionate and not vengeful toward your neighbor. Mm-hmm. And then the end of verse uh, 18. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. And it's interesting. When you say those last few words of that scripture, I am the Lord, what it's reminding you is that I am giving you this command as to how to act. And the command is not just love your neighbor because it suits you or love your neighbor because they're nice people or love your neighbor because you know you're supposed to, but love your neighbor through the concept of justice, respect, and compassion. Mm -hmm. So that's what it means. It rounds it out. That's what Leviticus does in giving us that great, great command. Uh, Folks, if you have a thought. What is it? What does God want from you? 866-985-4255, toll free, 866-985-4ALL. We are live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now. And we continue the conversation online. We want to hear your feedback on today's topic by posting on our Facebook page, where you can also see exclusive videos. Check out our blog and our website for audio, video, CQ Rewind, and other free resources no one else has on the planet while studying the Bible and talking about today's Christian topics only at ChristianQuestions.net. And you know, folks, you do want to go to the website ChristianQuestions.net because rumor has it that there is a brand new website that is going to be unveiled very soon. So what we'd like you to do, if you haven't gone to the website, is go to the website as it is, check it out, and then once we redo it, and it, I, I'm just saying that I think I've seen some things and it's looking pretty good. Just would love to hear your, your, your thoughts on the comparison of the two, ChristianQuestions.net. Coming soon to you, a brand new uh, redone website. 
Let's go back to uh, Rabbi Jonathan Ginsburg here, uh, because he said he mentioned made a statement about you know this this concept of love your neighbor as yourself is in all cultures. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. He starts to rattle them off here. Okay. Uh, l- let's listen. 800 BCE, the Mahabharata. Deal with others as thou wouldst deal with thyself. Or the Gadistan from 700 BCE. That nature only is good when it shall not do unto another whatever is not good for its own self. Jainism from the 6th century BCE. We should regard all creatures as we regard our own self. And refrain, refrain from inflicting upon others such injury as would appear undesirable to be inflicted upon ourselves. Confucius, 5th century BCE. What I do not wish others to do unto me, I should not wish to do unto others. Or Ben Sirah from 170 BCE. Honor thy neighbor as thyself. So you can see he's going through history, and as he's coming more and more current, you see all of these different cultures throughout the world have this same resounding theme, love your neighbor as yourself. And this is before Jesus this actually is all, said that. All of those okay. things were long before right. Jesus, but again, it found its, its roots in the Old Testament in Leviticus. Now, did all of these cultures present this philosophy uh, in in such a specific context as Leviticus. I, now, I don't know the answer to that, but okay. I, you know, I wonder. <laughs> you know, I wonder good, be, good question. Because Leviticus is very specific about how to get to the point of loving your neighbor and giving you the rules, if you will, of loving your neighbor as yourself. Let's look at Zechariah chapter 7, verses 8 through 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah, saying, Thus has the Lord of hosts said, dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion to each of his brethren. Do not oppress the widow or the orphan, the stranger or the poor, and do not devise evil in your hearts against anyone. You know, it's interesting because oftentimes we look at justice as this harsh, cruel thing. And so many times, especially in the Old Testament, when justice is spoken of, it's spoken of like this. Dispense true justice and practice kindness and compassion to each to his brother. Wow. So it's put in the context of kindness and compassion. So justice, while it is harsh in some ways because it's, it's a requirement, but it's always to be delivered with uh, kindness and compassion. And that's how we can love our neighbor as ourselves. And we only are supposed to have compassion on our brethren. Uh, now, I don't have any brothers, so I don't have to <laughs> worry about this, right? I only so, have sisters. So you're saying you don't have to have compassion on your sisters? No. Let me talk to your sisters and tell them you said that. <laughs> no, Jonathan. It is talking about the brotherhood of humanity. And, That's right. and the the whole idea here, here is to make sure we put things in their right perspective. And the concept, the worldwide philosophy of loving your neighbor as yourself. Look, if, if all the world would just apply that, boy, we would just be so much better off. We would. Because we would see others in in a different light that is much more uh, um, positive than we might see them, especially if they have different philosophical viewpoints on things uh, than we have. Now, Jesus takes the well-defined teaching from the Old Testament and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, right. And he dramatically magnifies it, as Jesus always does. All right? Here, he first addresses hateful attitudes. Now, it's interesting because attitudes are not necessarily talked about in the Old Testament idea. It's, it's the treatment of others. That's a good point. So, Luke six twenty seven to 33. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. So he is <laughs> wow. delineating. You say, well, you know, uh, you don't have any brothers, so you're off the hook. Well, <laughs> look what Jesus Guess just said. <laughs> no, you are absolutely on the hook and ought to be on the hook. 
because it says, love your enemies. How hard is that? Do good to those who hate you. Now, for any of us who've had an experience where somebody just doesn't like us, to do good for that person, I mean, who wants to do good for that person anyway? I mean, look, if they, if they, if they run into trouble, ha! But that's not a Christian that's not attitude. That's not the case, no. That's not what God wants from us. What God wants from us is to rise above that. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. And, you know, praying, you know, the whole concept of praying is not just the, you know, repeating of some words in your head. No. It is a, it is a heartfelt communication with the Almighty God. That's right. On behalf of that person. That's how you pray for someone who mistreats you. He goes on to, from hateful attitudes, Jesus now addresses hateful actions in this Luke chapter 6 scripture. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other also. Whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. And again, this is a dramatic, dramatic way that Jesus teaches. He uses very, uh, very uh, vivid picture language here. It's easy to understand. Yeah. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the other. So don't hit him back. Right. That's what it's saying. Don't hit him back. Offer him the other also. If he takes your coat, give him your shirt. Don't withhold your shirt from him. So in other words, he's saying don't retaliate in like manner evil for evil. Mm -hmm. So he's not only addressing hateful attitudes in terms of teaching us to love our neighbor, but he's now addressing hateful actions in terms of teaching us to love our neighbor. And then he goes from hateful attitudes and hateful actions to teaching practical generosity. So, I mean, he's building a real strong foundation for what it means to love your neighbor. And that's uh, found in verse uh, 30. Give to everyone who asks of you, and whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. So... Give to everyone. So when someone asks you for something, if you can, you give it. Okay? And when, when, when they take what's yours, don't demand it back. And, and you know, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting concept when you look at that in terms of generosity. You think, well, you know, um, how, do you, how do you deal with that in practical terms? I mean, are we just supposed to, to do just freely give anything to anybody who asks anything of us? Well, the other scripture we talked about, is uh, if we don't provide for our own, we're worse than an unbeliever. So there's there has to be guidelines right, uh, right. in our lives. And and you know part of it also is in the experience of being willing to give, uh, but not being willing to hurt somebody because you're giving them something they shouldn't have. True, true, because they could use what you give them for a bad purpose. Right. To to make a yeah. Yeah, and, and you know I I've had I've had the experience, the personal experience of of some who have been in need, yeah. uh, who have come to me mm-hmm. and and. You know, I gave them what they asked me for, knowing full well, even though they said that they would pay me back, I didn't expect to ever see it. And it was a conscious thought process to say, you know what, this they do have a need, and this will be a good exercise. I, I need to be able to, to, to sort of let go. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sure enough, it, it didn't ever come back. But yeah. that's good. That's fine. That's okay. But the, by the same token, when you help somebody that way and they say to you, they're going to, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you back. I promise. I promise. I promise. And, and I've had this experience several times in my life okay. where, where you, you say, okay, well, here's how let's set up your schedule. You know, and, and then they don't do it. You know what? They don't ever ask you again. <laughs> Interesting. Because you're helping them to be accountable, and if they fall down, it's okay. I don't care. But if for your own sake, realize what's happened. So there's a wisdom in that being willing to give, I think, that's I like important that. here. And Jesus now sums up this teaching on loving your neighbor uh, with a profound simplicity in verse 31 of Luke chapter 6. Treat others the same way you want them to treat. 
treat you. And you know what I think about it? If I was in a needy situation, I would want somebody to do exactly that. Absolutely. I would want them to make me accountable um, mm. to help me. Good. Because, you know, the idea is to, to rise up out of the situation where you're needy so you can, instead of being one who always needs, you can learn to become one who provides. Excellent. That's what our Christianity is supposed to be. And then Jesus finishes this, where he encourages us to step higher than all other cultures. Remember, everybody says, love your neighbor as yourself. Right. Well, here's what Jesus says to go beyond it. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. So don't just give to those who are in your same situation, but... um, Give to those who may not be as uh, on board with you as, as, as you would like them to be. Because I want you to rise above the things of this world. I want you to, and again, this is showing a, a lack of attachment to earthly things. But it's showing a spiritual responsibility in that lack of attachment. So there's a great lesson here in loving your neighbor. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject, what does God want from me? So, most cultures adopt the concept of loving your neighbor. So do atheists. That's a good thing. But, where would we be without thou shalt love the Lord thy God? That's next. You're listening to Christian Questions. Welcome back. This is Christian Questions. I'm Jonathan here with Rick. Our subject this morning, what does God want from me? To be a part of our program, call toll-free 866-985-4255. That's 866-985-4ALL. We're live Sunday mornings from 7 to 9. That means we're on right now on our website, christianquestions.net. Jonathan, as we look at this Love Your Neighbor, um, we are very, very uh, thrilled about the, the concept of Jesus taking what was known throughout history, throughout the world, for generations and generations, and not only restating it, but magnifying its intensity. And I want to go to one more quick soundbite here before we uh, get back to this, the subject matter, and then we'll go to the phones. This is, um, again, Rab, uh, Rabbi Jonathan Ginsberg, and he, in the last soundbite, he was talking about all of the pre-Jesus uh, recognitions of the love your neighbor as yourself, and then he goes to Jesus and, and beyond. And then Christianity comes on the scene in Luke, uh, the Gospel of Luke from their New Testament. As you would that men should do to you, do you also to them likewise. Muhammad, 7th century, Islam, say not if people are good to us, we will be good to them, and if people oppress us, we shall oppress them, but resolve that if people do good to you, you shall do good to them, and if they oppress you, oppress them not again. So he says that, you know, Muhammad in the Quran wrote the same things. Now, in our study of looking at the, the, the application of that, sometimes you see sort of something a little bit different, mm-hmm. but the fact is that it's written there. Gotcha. Okay, so we'll, we'll, we'll take that at, at face value. Jonathan, why don't we go to the phones? All right, well, we have Randall from Connecticut. Good morning, Randall, and welcome to Christian Questions. Good morning. Happy Sunday, guys. To you, too. We have Matthew 2.2. We saw his star as it's rising and have come to do him homage. God wants us to recognize the underlying unity of creation. We see diversity, many peoples, many bodies. But Jesus became flesh to show that we belong to God, and in a real way, we belong to each other. Ephesians 2.14 For he is our peace, he who made both one 
and broke down the dividing wall through his flesh. The Christian brings peace, a real peace to the world, not by culture, not by DNA relation, not by law, but through the overriding love of Christ. Jesus' supernatural love is what makes Christians different. It's the batteries in the flashlight. This is how we do him homage. 1 Corinthians 12.12 As a body is one, though it has many parts, and all the parts of the body, though many, are one body, so also Christ. Randall, thanks so much. We appreciate it. Happy Sunday, guys. Take you care. Too. Jesus' love are the batteries in our flashlight. When it says, let your light shine. Yes. Well, the ba- I love that. That's a great, great, great illustration. Thanks, Randall, for that. It just puts things in, in perspective. And again, what does God want from me? Well, if I am aspiring to be a true Christian, there's a lot that he wants from us. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, your strength, and your neighbor as yourself. Galatians five thirteen to 15. For you were called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, in the statement, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take care that you are not consumed by one another. So again, you can't get away from this love your neighbor as yourself statement. It's not only in the Old Testament, mentioned several times, it's not only expanded on by Jesus, but then the apostles come back and they reiterate how important it is as the core value of what we are expressing. This is how we express what God wants from us. Yes. Is loving our neighbor as ourselves. Jonathan, one more time, let's go back to Rabbi Jonathan Ginsburg and let him sort of wrap up this, this uh, conversation here. And so maybe the most important thing to God is that simple rule. Love thy neighbor as thyself and do not do to others what you would not like done to yourself. It seems to be broad in every culture. And so whether it's Micah, what does God want from us to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God or it's this idea from Leviticus the first time it occurs anywhere but repeated by so many cultures to love thy neighbor as thyself it seems pretty clear that God wants mercy and compassion and love and to treat all human beings as it says in the beginning of Genesis in the image of God so he's saying okay it's a universal thought through major cultures throughout all of history, love your neighbor as yourself appears and reappears and reappears, and maybe that's what God wants from us. And I, and I would agree. But let's not forget the first part. Yes. And, and the question is, okay, so, so many ancient cultures adopt this philosophy of love your neighbor as yourself. Why the second commandment? is it that they adopt and not the first commandment exactly. that Jesus proclaimed as most important and the Old Testament proclaimed as most important. Remember, I am the Lord your God. Uh, you know, Thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, soul with all your mind, and with all your strength. strength. Yeah. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Yes. So where did the first commandment get lost with all of these cultures? And I think the answer to that is actually really simple. And you know where we find that answer? Oh, where? here's a surprise. The Bible. Hey, <laughs> how about that? Romans chapter 1, verses 20 to 22. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they were without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their speculations and their foolish heart was darkened. 
professing to be wise, they became fools. Now that's some pretty strong language, and uh, but I think that's it's important strong language. And and before I comment on it, folks, if you have a thought, now would be the time eight six six nine eight five four two five five toll free eight six six nine eight five four all. We are live Sunday mornings from seven to nine. And that means we're on right now. And the question, what does God want from me? And we're so glad to have Knoxville, Tennessee on for the second hour. That's right. How's it sounding down there? <laughs> WNX 100.3 FM in Knoxville, Tennessee. Uh, so, so, Jonathan, you've got this scripture that says, you know, professing to be wise, they became fools. It says because God was evident um, in, in all of the things that were around them. He's evident in nature. He's evident, and, and you know, Randall mentioned in, in his comment, you know, DNA. Mm-hmm. And when you think about the utter immense complexity of DNA, as smart as humankind is, we only figured out how to map DNA, how, how to just say what's there. Not how to produce <laughs> oh, it, but how to say what's there just a few years ago. Yeah. So you've got this immense complexity and this immense intelligence in all of the creation around us, and yet in our world there is a, there is a fighting against acknowledging that that there is intelligent creation. Yeah. It boggles my mind. So sad. So you have the concept of loving your neighbor as yourself, but you're not willing to accept that there is an almighty creator and intelligence behind all of this with a grand design. Mm-hmm. It boggles my How can we not accept that? I just... It, I don't know. I just don't know. <laughs> you know, and, and this is a trap, though. This is a trap. That's what this is. We have to be sure we don't fall into the same trap. If we love God first and foremost, what's going to happen? The three points here. Our perspective will be long-term and from above. Okay, so our perspective now becomes much more than just our lives. Yes. Because God, if we see God as a God of, of reason, he is a God of a plan. So yes. therefore, it is a long-term perspective. We will see ourselves as created and there for Humbly. All right. So we'll see ourselves humbly because now we're created. We're not. Uh, we're not the top of the food chain. We were a created part of the food chain. <laughs> you know. So it's a different thing when you see yourself as a creation of something greater than you. There's an automatic humility that ought to come with that. And loving our neighbor will be a full and godly experience. Because you see it from the long term and you see it through humility and you don't see it just in terms of just today and how I feel. It's a bigger thing than that. Yes. So while loving our neighbor as ourselves is a worldwide accepted phenomena, philosophy, it, if you don't have love the Lord your God first with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, then the love, you're going to lose some of the love your neighbor as yourself. You're right. I really think that that's important. So let's begin to wrap this up, Jonathan. What does God want from me? What do you want from me anyway? Have you ever, have you ever <laughs> been frustrated and said that? Yeah. <laughs> You know, what do you want from me? Okay, okay. And, and and sometimes I think in our in our in our Christian walk, we can and I know this is with me. So this is sort of a mirror comment here, but you, you look at your own life and you get frustrated with yourself mm-hmm. and the things that you know you should be and could be doing. Not so much should be because you know that sounds it's almost like a cop out, but things I could be doing but I maybe choose not to. Mm-hmm. I, I I get too lazy around. Yeah. And, and you say, oh, you know, and, 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 and that frustration comes. And, you know, sometimes God, in, in his dealing with us, can be a little hard on us, yep. get our attention. And, and you know, but we need it. Yeah, we do. And sometimes you sort of rebel. And, well, what do you want from me anyway? Well, here's what I want from you, my son. And it's a matter of just becoming again humble and becoming again focused so that we can again give God. Not, you know, it's not just what he wants. 
but it's what he deserves. I like that. And that's really the core here. So, what does God... God wants and should get our heart, our undivided sincerity and affection. Psalm 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's a great visual of that undivided sincerity and affection because that shows immense trust. Walking through the valley of the shadow of death but having no fear of evil. That's that Mm -hmm. undivided affection. God wants our soul, our core, the very deepest emotional devotion that we have built within us. And we got good scripture on that is Romans uh, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. So here in this scripture, it talks about Presenting your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. Laying it all out on the line. So, again, it's the Christianity is not about getting. No. It's about giving. Yes. It's not about building up. It's about dismantling for the honor and glory of God. Mm-hmm. Now, we are supposed to be getting better for the purpose of serving and laying it down as an offering. And being transformed. That means you're different. You know, the... the, the, the Transform, that word for transform is from the word metamorphosis. Oh, just like the caterpillar to the butterfly. Caterpillar to the butterfly. Would you rather be a caterpillar or a butterfly? Butterfly. Of course, we all would rather be the, <laughs> the butterfly, the beauty, the ability to fly, to be above and beyond things, but we all start out as caterpillars. Mm-hmm. And we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds the, so that our soul, our deepest emotional devotion, is in line with God. God wants our mind, our brightest intellect. Second Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God and we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Have you ever thought about... I'm not sure you've thought about that scripture. That's a dumb question. (laughs) (laughs) Taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ... I think about that a lot, and I think about, boy, am I in trouble. <laughs> well, because my <laughs> I mind fall, is... Oh, I fall so far short. I, it's, my mind just wanders. It wanders yeah. and wanders, and just got to bring it back to what's most important. You got to mm-hmm. bring it back. You got to focus your intellect on serving God. And then, of course, after that, we have God wants our strength, the core energy of our lives. First Timothy six twelve. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called. And you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So fight the good fight of faith. It takes strength to fight. Take hold of eternal life. When you take hold of something, the idea... It's like carrying a football. You know, the playoffs are going on. Oh, yeah. You don't want to fumble, right? No. So you hold on tight. Yes. You apply your strength to holding on. So you fight that fight. You apply your strength to holding on to that which is important. So God wants our strength, the core energy of our lives, to fight that good fight of faith. That's what we're there to do. And you can't do that fighting unless our heart is in the right place, unless our soul is in the right place, and unless our mind is in the right place. Then we can really, truly apply our strength. And then, once you love God so completely, heart, mind, soul, and strength, Yes. then it comes back to God wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. And again, Luke 6.31 as we wrap this up. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. Simple, simple, straightforward statement that puts it all into a great perspective. This, folks, this is what God wants from us. He doesn't want us to just show up on a Sunday. Now, 
He doesn't want us to just appreciate the things of, of God. You know, King Nebuchadnezzar is a great example of this. Uh, King Nebuchadnezzar... Um, uh, with, with Daniel, he mm-hmm. had an appreciation because Daniel interpreted the dream. Yes. He had an appreciation for God, but he didn't have a devotion. Good point. He learned that devotion over many years of very difficult experiences. And so we, too, must learn that same devotion where God is God above all. And because we love God so completely with our undivided sincerity and affection, our deepest emotion, our brightest intellect, and the energy of our life, we can therefore love our neighbor as they deserve to be loved. For Jonathan and Rick, it's Christian Questions. We hope you've enjoyed being with us this morning. We would encourage you to leave your comments uh, for us on Facebook. Check us out at our website, ChristianQuestions.net. We'll be back again next week with another subject. But till then, what does God want from you? Now you know. What are you going to do? We'll be back next week. Think about it. <laughs>